You're listening to And what's poppin' everybody? Welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 82 for Thursday, November the 18th, 2021. My name is Marvin Yue, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets through our days, we have self-proclaimed professional Asian-American, Jess Ju. Hello, hello everyone. She's back. She had to take a little hiatus because, you know, mental health is real important, but she's back. Uh, being a professional Asian is hard. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you definitely for your I just want to be dumb and hot and happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, good thing you have your uh, European Christmas vacation coming up soon. Yes, and I'm going to, I mean, well, 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 I I know we have plans to do a deep dive in some of the Netflix ones. Because I'm not going to lie, like um, Christmas movie, comma. European royal romance is like my favorite subcategory of Christmas movie. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. And I feel very excited to be reenact it. Um, follow. I was like, <laughs> my Instagram is not public because there's crazy ass there. But uh, I was like, you guys follow me on Instagram so you can enjoy my re- my reenactment. <laughs> I'm so excited for that. In fact, um, I feel like I sh- we should like gamify it. Like whenever I watch something, it's like, what name that movie or whatever. <laughs> and then and they could stitch it together, right? And like create like the story on the highlight reel at the mm-hmm. end. Yeah, oh my yeah. God, I'm so excited. I need to get an acorn or an ornament. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I promise to watch Princess um, Switch, I, not Christmas Prince. So I, I will spoil this for you. It won't be that big, but Jess, I got you an acorn Christmas. No! Oh God! Now I have to carry this damn thing. I mean, I'm very no, appreciative. But I'm not, gonna carry this. It, thing. It's not huge. Okay, you know, like in the movie, it's this big. It's not I'm that just big. Gonna, so. I'm gonna hang it on random trees in Austria. <laughs> These like Austrians yeah. will be like, "What the fuck is this American girl doing?" No, they're not gonna think I'm American. They're gonna think I'm Chinese. So I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Chinese. It, it, it. Yeah, it's probably the size of a Can slightly I hide real secrets in there. You actually can put a constitution in there if it's written really okay, tiny. Okay, I'm so excited. Oh my God, I'm so excited. And that voice is our gift-giving professional culture editor, Han Wing. <laughs> hey, Han. I, I was so excited when I Googled and actually found <laughs> I was hoping that actually Christmas Prince would have inspired a large acorn-making ornament. Like a cottage industry on, of... On Etsy, Right. And I'm kind of angry that there isn't. And if I were better at woodworking, meaning any woodworking, then I would make it myself. So maybe there's a tip for you, Netflix, since you're trying to like cash in. Uh, that would do very well. Yeah. Looking forward to um, joining you, I guess, for the first time on this Christmas Netflix movie binge we're going to go through but before that we're going to talk a little bit about netflix westerns specifically the harder they fall which is the new film out um now starring a whole cast of amazing actors like idris elba regina king Keith stanfield jonathan majors etc etc uh but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week uh let's start with jess what's popping so i watched the a early screening of a indie feature film that's going to be coming out, but it's going to be in some AMC theaters. So definitely check it out. It's called India Sweets and Spices, written and directed by Gita Malik. It's a really charming coming-of-age story about a uh, Indian-American girl who goes back to her upper-middle-class uh, suburb of New Jersey And it's structured through the series of parties that happen every week with like the, you know, it's like keeping up with the Joneses, but the Joneses are the Patels. (laughs) And just kind of like like a commentary on like the very like shallow upper, you know, gossip culture of this like, you know, very wealthy Indian American community in New Jersey. Um, But, you know, I, I think we've all as Asian American people who like film have watched a lot of like kind of my parents don't understand films, but this one flips it a little bit on its head mm-hmm. because it's instead of a, my parents don't understand. It's like, I don't understand my parents. Um, all the characters are really, really charming. They're really hot. Like, like respectfully, they're all ridiculously hot. Like uh, it's the main, the main girl. Her name is Lee Aaliyah. 
was played by Sophie Ali, who was Dr. Caldry in Grey's Anatomy. So there's many scenes where she is in a pool chilling and it's kind of like the like teen, the character's like 19. There's like a lot of teen like ennui and angst. And Sophie Ali is so fucking beautiful. Like she's soaking like hair slicked back in a pool, getting out of a pool and she looks hot. Like that is the try. Like if you <laughs> get out of a pool and you're just hot, like you're hot, like hot, H O T hot. Cause when I get out of pool, I look like a garbage rat. Like I come out of the sewer. Okay, that's a TikTok. Sound. Yeah, yeah. There needs to be like hair, face framing, and stuff like that that we construct our looks. But in the pool, like all of it's slicked back, and you don't have any of the benefit of makeup or any of that yeah. stuff. So, so, yeah. so I mean, and and like she, you know, she there's there's a and everyone is Indian. Like there are no white people in this movie, which is kind of you know fantastic. <laughs> I'm not gonna yeah. lie, because they always like to relate us, you know, in relation to like the mainstream no there's none of that it's just like very specifically about this very specific community um it's a very privileged community but it's not without its you know hardships and i i think it's a really really and it's funny it's like a rom-com um and again all the guys are really hot um (laughs) like the young guys even the dad's kind of hot the guy who plays the young dad han and i just talked about this offline the guy who plays the young dad in the flashback is so hot i would i would give it I, he could have it he could have it all i would move to america with him arrange that marriage i'm down let's go um uh yeah yeah <laughs> but super charming i <laughs> yeah. uh, would definitely recommend it it's like a quick watch you know it's 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 i believe it's her second film it premiered at i believe tri- was it tribeca or it premiered at one of like the major you know film festivals in the U.S., and you know she, <laughs> it's you kind of can like it's not the biggest budget, but the story's so good you like quickly forget about it. And the music is fantastic. Music is fantastic in this movie. Yeah, I I really appreciated the very specific enclave you're talking about the super richy neighborhood i think it's ruby yeah, hill, ruby hill new jersey and like all the yeah and, all the yeah. aunties are like you know gossip queens mean girls grown up uh all the other they're very like judgmental it's about like that social pressure to conform and like how do you find yourself as a young woman um in that in that environment and like kind of butting against your parents expectations your community's expectations um yeah and 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 very classist yeah because it's like my my mom same deal like you know like i think she mentioned one time to me something about like nail workers and she's like it's like we're different from different worlds we don't speak the same language you literally do mom you literally (laughs) do (laughs) so i was just like um i don't know about you mom but i can speak to my you know my nail technician totally fine (laughs) um but yeah so it's it it is an ingrained thing and um i I thought it was just handled like really smartly Mm uh yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. yeah, so go watch, go find out where, you know, <laughs> Google it, find out where it's playing, go watch it this weekend. Yeah. Um, all right, Han, what's popping with you? Uh, so I have gone up and down on this series, but it is it will be out by the time um, this comes out. So uh, Sex Lives of College Girls is Mindy Kaling's new series that is on HBO Max. And at first people were like, oh, it's like never have I ever went to college. And I'm like, hmm. Only superficially, if you're saying that there is a main, you know, South Asian, you know, girl <laughs> at the center of this. Maybe um, the people have a very um, shallow <laughs> idea of look diverse content. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, I do also understand that that's how you get anyone to come into something they don't know is you offer names they recognize. So if it wasn't Mindy Kaling, it would have to be something else. Um, so here's a, so the premise is uh, four college roommates. Um, and of course their dorm is like way huge. Yeah. Uh, they, and they have like, that central that room that's huge. Yeah. Um, and they each come from sort of like diverse backgrounds um, and they each are dealing with their sexuality or dating or something like that. Um, the, uh, the sort of Mindy person, her name is Bella, uh, uh, played by Amrit Kaur. Um, and she is sex crazed 
and superficial. Um, she wants to be a comedian. Uh, and she's very loud. <laughs> um, she's she's in your face, kind of like, I can kind of see how Mindy might have been like this in college. I know it's not one-to-one, but still. Um, there is a, a character named Kimberly. She's sort of from middle America. She's exactly what you think. But she's also played by Pauline Chalamet, uh, the sister Wait, of Timothy Chalamet. Wait, I was going they related? Yeah. And you know what? She's actually good because she's a character who you could find irritating um, or boring or whatever it is because, you know, she's like the typical like backwards white girl who I don't know what about sex and da da da. Um, and she's great. I really like her a lot. Um, Layton is played by Renee Rapp. She played Regina George on Broadway for Mean Girls. Um, and she's the typical, in some ways, uh, rich girl, but she is, of course, hiding something. And then um, Whitney is a soccer player played by Alia Chanel Scott. Um, soccer player representation, yay. But uh, she also has something that she's hiding and um, all of it deals with like sex or sexuality or dating. Um, the first episode, I have to say, <laughs> I did not love. Um, I don't remember how many episodes they're dropping on Thursday. I assume they're going to be sort of weekly. So I would just say I'm now on the fourth episode. So I would say stick with it a little bit. Um, I, it does seem to get better and better. Maybe they just had to find their footing um, I do think that they had to like shoot it during pandemic. So like maybe there's also like kind of a getting to know each other because I had they had to create a bubble. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's by the fourth episode, like I had some pretty genuine laughs. Um, it's 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 fascinating. Like I love college TV shows because I think the college experience is unique. Um, it's just such a weird little world that you live in where you're an adult esque person <laughs> you know on your own finding yourself um i love greek that tv show i loved greek um, oh my god greek is amazing um so yeah i was i was kind of hoping for greek it's not greek but i think it 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 might get to something so i'm hoping it just gets even better from there i think it is worth you know that's out. interesting um that you mentioned that because like a lot of ya does take place in high school and like when they take place in college that actually gives you a narrative reason why the parents don't exist. Yeah. Yeah. Why parents <laughs> right. don't yeah. exist, why they don't really have to do anything. Right. Uh, why there's a lot of different kinds of people together. There's only so many places where like you're forced to like interact with people you may not like it's work mm-hmm. or school. Yeah. And yeah. that's kind of what most sitcoms are based <laughs> off. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause I even went to college in my own city, but I was at the dorms. So it really was like, do whatever I want, you know? Um, and that that was a fun freedom I think I had. I wondered if, like, what would have happened if I, like, you know, bothered to try to apply for study abroad? I probably would have even had more fun. <laughs> oh, that was so, fun. Yeah, you know. it was really fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I feel like I kind of missed the boat there. So I was it's just never like, too late, yeah, I, I It's think, never too late. You can do it now. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm living in a different state from my family. So, like, that's also a big deal. And I've traveled a lot without them, of course. Yeah, it's so, like traveling um, abroad for life. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, maybe someday when they make a really good RV and also get me a driver for it, because uh, I'm not <laughs> parking that shit, um, <laughs> then I'll consider it. But uh, I've always thought about having a sort of an itinerant, you know, like, travel lifestyle. But, you know, it, all the conditions would have to be right. Anyway, so... Uh, Something maybe to check out if you uh, want to um, maybe, I don't know, check out something else streaming. Um, good for background noise, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. um, so that's me, Marvin. What's popping with you? So I've been watching some Netflix, too, uh, to prepare for the upcoming Cowboy Bebop live action series, which is coming out at the end of this week. Netflix relicensed the anime series, which has been running um, for the last few weeks. So to, I guess, prepare for the upcoming um, new show, I've been rewatching the original Cowboy Bebop anime series. And yeah, that show is still very good. And I mean, now that I've spent a couple years as a critical watcher of media, I'm finding myself appreciating more the subtle ways that Cowboy Bebop tells the stories and builds its world now that I'm coming back to it after a few years. And yeah, it's just a great experience revisiting the series that I haven't watched in a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, But I kind of feel like I'm setting Mm -hmm. myself up for disappointment. I've been purposely avoiding reading any reviews that have been coming out um, since the embargo lifted earlier this week. Um, But I do get the sense that the um, reception is a little mixed. 
And I guess rewatching the series and how good it is, it's got me a little concerned because what I've seen of it so far, like the trailer, it's getting the looks right, but I'm not sure if it can pull off the vibe of the original show. I mean, maybe it's just like I'm not as in love with the original anime, maybe that other people are. I don't know if it's that subtle. It's so, <laughs> so that's why for me, I was just like, I'm also very okay with adaptations as long as they stand on their own. I'm not 100% saying that the live action does. Um, having only seen the premiere, I can't judge mm. it. As we have established uh, with Sex Lives of College Girls, I, my opinion <laughs> changed drastically from the premiere to the fourth episode. So maybe it will find its footing, whatever. Um, maybe it won't. But um, I think there's still a lot. Like We'll get into it, but I think there's still a lot to like about the live action. Um, <laughs> that is different from the anime. Yeah. So, I, well, I have we'll the see. same feeling at home, but I came through it to like a different conclusion, which is that I just don't ever expect anything from adaptations. Like, you know, when, when I hear yeah. an adaptation is going to come, I was like, okay, like <laughs> there's really no reason to do that, but I'll watch it. And I kind of just expect nothing. And it's just, cause it's a, it's a, yeah. a little bit of a lose, lose situation, especially for something as stylized as, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It, it, I think it's easier when it's something that's been often up, uh, adapted, like the whatever 2000th Pride and Prejudice, we definitely have no <laughs> caring. Like, we just want to yeah. see it and see what's going yeah. on. But like, if there's only one adaptation of Cowboy Bebop, yeah. I can see why people will feel it's more precious that they don't want it to be sort of sullied. It won't be sullied. Um, <laughs> the fact that anyone is even watching the anime right now, I think is great. Because they wouldn't necessarily be if Netflix didn't bother getting it so they can get <laughs> launch their I mean, the original so. obviously there. My concern is just more from what the trailer has shown. They're going for a remake as opposed to like a reboot. Or, yeah, it's like, what are you going to do? If you do a shot for shot, beat for beat remake, they're like, why did you remake it as a live action? If you change it, they're like, the original was great. Why did you remake it? So really the question is, why did we remake this? I mean, I would also say it's not a remake. I mean, but so Cowboy Bebop as a series is 24 episodes of loosely, barely connected storylines. Like there is an overarching background story. But ultimately, this is a story about these three bounty hunters living in the fringes of frontier space trying to make a living and the, the interesting thing is like for two of the main characters jet and spike we're joining them after their stories have already concluded they're like trying to make a mm -hmm. living out in the fringes of space after living lives as a space cop and as a mobster and you know speaking of the what um and you know speaking of westerns kind of has a western feel of they're out there because it's the only place people like them can go and when i said subtle i meant that the show itself is pretty low-key it's not like a serialized drama where you're watching week to week to find out what happens. You're just following the crew of this ship as they try to make a living to, you know, live and eat for another day, which takes them around different locations in the frontier of space. And I kind of appreciated that. Obviously, throughout the show, they drip feed you um, the background stories of Spike, of Faye, of Jet. But again, it's not the focus of the show itself. And so the show could very easily have been new adventures for them, like, what happened in between these episodes, which is, I think, what I'm hoping for what the live action show will be. But it does look like they are, I don't know. It's like, I think like Jess says, it is, it's lose-lose because you're never going to make everyone happy. But I still hope that it will be something that can stand on its own. I mean, I think it can because I've definitely talked to people who have not watched anime and they like this the live action. But you may just say, well, what do they know? They don't like anime. <laughs> so um, honestly, I mean, we'll have this, deeper discussion next week when you actually watch it. And so then, because I can't say, well, <laughs> you know, without like spoiling anything. So Yeah. Well, yeah. that is to say that the anime is still very good. So regardless of how the live action show turns out, the anime is right there on Netflix for me to um, watch, to, to feel better about myself. You think it holds but, up? Yeah. I am looking forward to watching the Cowboy Bebop live action series. And I'm sure I'll have plenty of thoughts um, when we discuss it next week. But on that note, that'll do it for this week's edition of What's Poppin'. When we come back, we're talking about a different kind of cowboy, um, specifically the ones you find in the new Netflix original film, The Harder They Fall. Stick around. Hey, Brian. Did you go to Saturday school as a kid? 
I sure did. Did you? Totally. Well, at our podcast, Saturday School, we don't teach a language, but we pass along the culture that we do know. And that's Asian American pop culture. Ada is a journalist, and I'm a professor and film festival programmer. We've watched a lot of great Asian American movies, and we want you to watch them too. Come listen to us as we look back at the pioneering films that have led us to today. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. On this episode, we're talking about The Harder They Fall, a new Netflix Western directed by James Samuel, um, also known as The Bullets, um, who co-wrote the screenplay with Boaz Yakin, who, interesting enough, directed Remember the Titans. I learned this while Wikipediaing him. Um, the film stars an ensemble cast of Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, Lucky Stanfield, R.J. Clyer, Daniel Deadweiler, Edie Gathegi, and Dion Cole, among others. And it's notable as being one of the few Westerns whose whole principal cast is made up of Black actors. The film itself is a revisionist Western that takes place in, I guess, the Black settled parts of the frontier. And a lot of the characters portrayed in the film are actually real-life um, lawmen and cowboys from from the American West, although you know anachronistically all put into one place um, in this redwood city. The film is about Nat Love, played by Jonathan Majors, and his quest for revenge against the man who killed his parents, played by Idris Elba. Um, what did you all think of The Harder They Fall? Oh, um, so I I love me a western. It's one of the genre film categories I do really like. Um, it was overall a lot of fun. And I think it really rests on the pure star power and charisma and talent of its ensemble cast. Like, the cumulative power of this cast is fucking insane, okay? Jonathan Majors, who, you Mm -hmm. know, I've gone on record, love him, Lovecraft Country. He's been doing really interesting things with, you know, the Marvel Universe and everything. Um, Zazie Beetz, who I always love seeing. Regina King, Delroy Lindo as Bass Reeves, which if you watch The Watchmen is like a familiar character now. Lakeith Stanfield doing some really, really fun stuff. Um, and some other people I wasn't that familiar with. Um, Danielle Deadweiler, who plays Cuffy. Um, D- D- I think Dion Cole, I think he's he's the he's the um, Charlie in Blackish, right? But like is a total 180 from his Blackish character, which I love Blackish. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, like, and it's always fun to see Damon Wayans Jr. It's it's fun to see a Wayans brother or family member in any movie. And then you put them together. And <laughs> if it were a lesser cast, this would be unwatchable. Like, it would be cringy and a little awkward. But like, it is like really like cool, hot people doing really cool ass shit for most of the movie. My biggest qualm, though, is that the pacing of this movie is so fucking off. <laughs> like it's like bam 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 and they're like i'm gonna give you like 20 mm-hmm. min- like we do not need fit five to ten minute establishing shots for mm-hmm. each scene it's it's a two hour 16 minute movie this could have been a 90 minute movie and should have been a 90 minute i'll, I'll give you like an extra yeah. 10 to like have some more fun character things because i do think the characters are really fun because <laughs> the actors who they cast were able to bring those to life so vivaciously but man like I'm just like, why am I like, why is it so slow in the middle of this movie? Like (laughs) they did some such cool shit with such amazing music choices. And then it's like, what? (laughs) I do remember as they were setting up for the last big like showdown, high noon, whatever. I checked the time and there were still 40 minutes left in the film. I I checked multiple times and Mm -hmm. I'm just like, I'm only a third way into this. Like a Mm -hmm. lot happens, right? Like there's so many different. Um, it's a little confusing to set up. You you kind of have to understand like who is in what gang and who's trying to fuck over who, and uh, and then like there's like that initial part, and then there's like that we're gonna band together with you know the the marshal and the outlaws gonna band together, and then we're gonna have to do the bidding of. So it's like it's like three movies really crammed into one. Um, but that being said, I do love kind of the a lot of like the older western tropes. There's like the black hat and the white hat um and and that itself is like racially coded <laughs> i do like the fact that this kind of everyone mm. is kind of a more morally ambiguous kind of fluid in in their like sides 
character. So you there's it, it, some pretty great tension of like, well, who's going to team up next? And is this person really like, is this person going to betray this person? Um, and and again, that's really that was really fun to watch. But yeah, the the pacing of it just <laughs> was gnarly. <laughs> So yeah, I I'd, I'd have to agree. Like knowing the the origins of uh of the director um mm. that he is a musician, The Bullets as as mentioned, and he's also done a lot of short films for Got his music. It. That makes a so lot of sense. So basically music videos gives you yeah, a lot of context for why it looks fucking amazing. He has a lot of establishing shots. He also excellently like edits together the music with the the framework of many things like you know how there's sometimes like staccato beats and whatever and like then he'll cut long it's so beautifully done in moments and this is also where you kind of get the idea about the long ass pauses it's kind of like it's like he had a great sequence here and then he had to kind of figure out how to mesh it with something else and so in between, there's just like a weird lagginess. Um, and I think that's just he is. This is his first like really feature length thing. Uh, he did do a black Western before this um, that also had some great uh, actors in there. But it was a shorter film, I believe. And also like a sort of a precursor of this because a couple of the characters are n- named the same. Um, so, yeah. Oh, so I God. feel like it was kind of a proving ground. Um, for this film. Yeah. It just seemed like the story seemed to get away with it from him at some points. Um, and, you know, we have such cool kind of characters interacting with each other, but then like a major plot point relies on the fact that this seemingly very whip smart woman is just going to like walk into oh the my bad God. guy's town and be like, they're not going <laughs> to catch me. Like they won't know. Like, obviously they're gonna know you like are known to be like have a relationship with like nate who is like their main like they're not i was like really we're gonna like contingent the rest of the movie based off this really dumb decision that seems so out of character and then like yeah like they did i mean most westerns do the women dirty but like come like this this seemed to be like you know bucking a lot of other things i yeah you set up these two characters like Regina King and Zazie Beetz plays the, I guess, the cool female outlaw. Saloon um, owner. She's like, she's like a saloon franchiser. She has a, she has a chain of saloons through the yes. West. But I like that they gave them also a lot of attitude as opposed to like, if this was like a traditional Western, they'd be like the hooker with the heart of gold. Yeah. Right? I think for the leaps that these characters made for the genre, I was semi-pleased. Um, I also just think that it's very apparent this was written by men. So, you know, um, <laughs> always, always. Oh, and so please. like the, the last time I was disappointed in a Western that's supposed to have a lot of women in it was Godless, uh, which is on Netflix. And it's by the same person who did Queen's Gambit, um, which had a lot of great characters, like uh, actors, too. And so so much of it is reliant on these actors carrying these characters so fucking well uh, like all the quibbles i had about like the bad storytelling or the iffy like uh that wasn't the most ethical thing i think that you know or the dumb decisions that you know mary <laughs> made i was just like yeah but i i love having that image of zazie beats with her hat and like carrying a rifle and doing this dumb thing you know it's like i don't know also yeah. yeah, the the vibes are cool. Yeah. The narrative storyline yes, the vibe cool. I, I mean, did we also have a woman and woman standoff? Of course we did, because that's what men write for women. Um because yeah. they're like, oh women like we can't punch the woman, so we'll just have the two women fight right. each other. Right, right, because then that's fair. Then they can punch right. each other. Yeah, I was just like, I don't think these people No, would care. they are like stone cold. Um in the movie, but also when I like was doing the research on like each of these people, I was like, some of them are horrible. They definitely, in some ways, whitewash their reputations here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, morality and ethics is kind of the thing that Westerns are about, right? Especially the history of Westerns, where you have your classic Westerns, which is all about like bringing law to the lawless, right? This is like your, your pre 
revisionist era where it's all about like I'm going to come and civilize the West. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, this film falls more into the revisionist, which is a more modern view of the Western, which is Western was a fucked up place and ultimately lawless. And ultimately, like, it's a place where people escape to who don't want to live under the rules of any governments. And that's why the heroes of revisionist Westerns are usually outlaws themselves. Sometimes they're antiheroes. Sometimes they're straight up bad guys. Right. Yeah. And I and I think that that's why I did find it was interesting. I think, Jess, you mentioned that everyone is sort of a shade of gray. Um, that while at the end I was like, they need to just kill them all. That's what I was thinking. I was like, I'm not supposed to be cheering for one or the other, really, at this point. Like, so they're was, all kind of the same and just fighting each other. Um, I mean, we were all cheering, though, when they did dunk on the white people, right? Uh, that was yeah. fun. The, 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 there's yeah. a, a bank, you know, robbery that's, that's really... Yeah, there's two yeah, robbery there's scenes. There's a few robbery and scenes. the people getting robbed are always the white guys. Yeah. Or, or and so that was, a, that was also a visual like nice flip on its head. Like my, I, my favorite sequence is, uh, this is not giving too much away is a train heist. I suppose you can call it, um, a breakout break. It's, it's break, both. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, train. it's kind of both because, uh, when I think about, um, what is that TV show that we watched? That was a fantasy uh, shadow. And yeah. Bone? Shadow and bone. So, one of the things I like about Shadow and Bone, this one of the series, is that it is 100% a heist, but it's a prison break, too. So it's like this kind of was the same thing, was it's a heist of a train, but also a prison break, because the thing they're heisting is a person. So, um, <laughs> and I think the sequence is perfectly timed, acted, edited together, visually, like, did a fantastic job. And so that's why it's like, I got to give this person credit. Like James Sammy, he he will eventually figure out how to put it all together. <laughs> um, I do have an and edit edit my dude I mean, I just just because you're yeah. not you know being in a theater. Like, this is also this, Netflix. Like Netflix doesn't push these people to get edited. So yeah, well they don't yeah. give notes at Netflix, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I also wonder how much of those lingering shots are just his homage to. The jankiness of like spaghetti westerns. Right? I mean, possibly. It, it, I I love the feel of it. It it um, it, there were certain things that I appreciated seeing the scenery because I think the use of the space was great. Yes. I never felt like I was on a set, yes. you know. So I just I just think you know it's like it's it's a first movie. All those wide shots of horses but, but riding across. The but plains. it's a compromise. Yeah. It's a compromise, right? Like you know, you use those slower moments to take a breath. Um, you know set tension yeah. like to the next scene like there's a bre- there's a breath pattern right like like intense like in and out but then like I don't think he was doing that deliberately yeah. I got the sense that he was just like this looks really cool and right. no one's gonna tell me right. no so I'm gonna just add more and more because it's visually cool I'm like yeah but you're kind of neglecting yeah pacing it, it needs and yeah. story and overall like all of that build. is part of the narrative oh. and just need to remember yeah. that. So, you know, um, but you know what? First I will film. say, so <laughs> this is, I guess, my personal taste for Westerns. Like, I like Westerns that are more about the death of the West, mm. kind of like um, Deadwood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Where the antagonist is like the encroaching of law and order into the space where people are more free. And I was kind of hoping we would see some of that here. Mm. And I, I understand this is, it's not that film. This is a film, it's a classic revenge tale. And it does that like pretty by the numbers, right? It's a pretty by the numbers revenge film with a lot of cool shit in it. But it's not trying to tell a story about like why or how these black settlements came to be and what the encroaching, because like, they, they alluded to this territory is being set up to become like a US territory or a state territory. So that means people are going to come take what we've built. Yeah, yeah. I think that conversation between Trudy, mm-hmm. played by Regina King, and Buck, played Rufus Buck, played by Idris Elba, like their whole, I mean, it seems like their whole incentive to keep this town, even though they're doing this tyrannically and violently, <laughs> is to create a space where it's like black people are, you know, it's a black town that is not necessarily privy to the racist laws of the American government or like, you know, to the extent because they're just so far out. Yeah. But but then it's also very ironic that they are themselves the one oppressing <laughs> their own community and just not based on race. They're just, you know, like this is yeah. you know, this, tyrannical. That despots. is why no matter what color you are, capitalism is evil. Um <laughs> capitalism is evil. And yeah, um, I wish there was more of that 
storyline as opposed to like this, albeit cool revenge storyline. But I don't know. I, I guess it's just a personal uh, thing for me. I yeah. kind of wanted more. From I it. will also. I'm also going to cut off the big mm-hmm. elephant in the room. Like, can you have a western and not include Native yeah, Americans? I, that was my biggest quibble. <laughs> they because... tried to sneak it in there, though. They they tried. No, to sneak that it was in my there. biggest quibble because a first watching it, I was just like, why is the Keith Stanfield Cherokee uh, Bill Cherokee, Cherokee Bill, Bill, and then he speaks Cherokee at one point, and I was. That and, was weird. And so was I was so at first I was like, did he just adopt this as a weird thing? And then when I did the research, turns out Cherokee Bill is actually part Native American. So is Rufus Buck. So is like maybe one other character. So I was like, you like as much as I love adore Lakeith Stanfield. I was like, I agreed. Um, I follow a lot of natives on Twitter, so I was, so I can like check myself and. Um, I think it was Lucas Brown Eyes who's like, uh, yeah, they could have cast Afro natives. And natives, yeah. Or they I could mean, have just not used real historic characters and just made him like a black outlaw, right? But I think even if you do that, I don't think you can talk about West without mm-hmm. West without acknowledging that like that's the thing, right? Like like progress for one is kind of omission of another but it's just like for something like a western which is like this land is not unoccupied land it is indian land that was illegally seized right like native indian land that was american indian or native land that was illegally seized and like that actually would have i think been really interesting to see that tension right because you're this is your freedom but it's at the cost of again the oppression or you know stealing from others uh, to me, it's like having a kung fu movie without acknowledging the origins, like of it in yeah. Asia. It, it's <laughs> like it, having, yeah. And that's why, also for me, I was just like, "Oh, finally, you can get a black western." I, I want to see how what they do with the natives, and apparently, it's not addressing it at all. Um, but also, like again, you think about like who was the main creator, creative force is um, he's he's a black Briton, so. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Mm, that's that's always yeah, weird. So he's Seal's right? brother, um, and <laughs> and uh, the co-writer is Israeli American. So I was just like, well, if you're an American dude, yes, like, come on. But still, I mean, it's just. So what would we call? Would this be like a a, a crumpet? <laughs> like a crumpet? <laughs> yeah. So I was just um, like, oh, yeah. you definitely have colonial like glasses on, like because you're not thinking about the natives. You're thinking about the yeah. Br- I guess. They don't know no better is probably the the re- real reason. And so here. I was just like, that is very interesting. And I was like, I'm not mad at what we saw on the screen. I was just like, I kind of wish we got more because when you're talking about, you know, uh, talking about the death of the old west or like the underbelly that you don't see, you know, because this is all sort of almost sort of the glorified part of it. You know, revenge tales yeah. are glorifying. You know. And all that type of stuff. Yeah. So yeah. that would have it's it's also just really ironic that they start off with such a declaration of like these people were real. Like like we are reclaiming like the Western narrative. Cause like in reality, historical record, the majority of cowboys were black. Kept mm-hmm. being a cowboy was a distinctly black culture that got whitewashed in the Ameri- making of Americana, right? So like th- I feel like, you know, the very like seed concept of this movie and why it exists is to combat that. But then they go and then be like, no, but we're gonna pretend like the Rufus Buck gang wasn't a bunch of multiracial mm-hmm. <laughs> native uh native and black folks, which is like, oh sir, I think you're doing the same thing you said you'd want to to fix yeah it it um, felt I, a I little weird that. to me that part because i was just like dude like <laughs> yeah it's a weird balance between how awesome and cool everything looked and yes. like how much it falls apart if you think about I, it more I, I will yes. say <laughs> that regardless this seems to have been received pretty well so i would just say the sequel you know Maybe maybe look into that, uh, James Samuel. Um, but all the cool characters died. You, so you think like this is a western? <laughs> also, there are other characters. So um, and yeah, or just do the anthology thing where you make a new western, totally new yeah. characters, but yeah. like same cast. <laughs> they did look. I'm not gonna lie. They look like they had a mm-hmm. lot of fun filming this movie. As much as I complained about the pacing and like too many horse shots. Those horse shots look like they were really fun. Like, doesn't this seem like summer mm-hmm. camp? Like you and like, um, you know, I assume they were probably all 
pretty friendly or like knew each other from previous roles and then like you just all get together and you're like let's ride a horse and like wear cool fun outfits I and mean, cool hats and sling guns around every single actor was chewing every bit of acting they could out of every single line there, there was a really fun mm-hmm. humor right because i think westerns mm-hmm. can get very especially the traditional ones can get very like serious and like manly and masculine but it's like this is like you know there's that like tinge of like anac- just the right amount for me of anachronism and like the tone and how they speak that makes it like really fun to watch mm-hmm. there was that um, really great monologue by dean cole like the, the guy you mentioned was from black blackish where he's like eating a steak while talking menacingly he's like the you camera. better get out before i finish my mm-hmm. steak and it's like he's not it's talking to so anyone it, it, yeah so there's yeah. so many great moments so you know just stitching together more tightly uh gets made of yeah. you know storylines in there and then we're all good but yeah I, that I being said, say, I did I really take, love Lakeith Stanfield. He's so good. He Every was thing. He was such. I mean, Lakeith Stanfield makes the weirdest choices, but he <laughs> makes it work, and I think that's why he's so interesting to watch because he never goes for the yeah. obvious. Like in this, um, you know, in if you've watched, um, mm-hmm. sorry to bother you, <laughs> or which is such a fucking weird movie. It's great. Or what was the like? Even his turn in like. Um, when he's like the straight man in Knives Out, out right? Yeah. And he's still just like very, very interesting. Uh, and I love that his character oh, yeah, sorry. was just there to subvert every single Western trope about the gunslinger or the quick draw mm-hmm. gunslinger. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I also follow him on Instagram. So I'm always curious. Like, I think he's also an interesting person. Uh, so I think he carries that into his performances as far as like his approaches. So... You know, he's mesmerizing yeah. anything he does. Like, it's great choices. Okay, are you guys ready for my hot take? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> are you ready for my hot take? Idris Elba didn't work for me. Surprisingly, I kind of agree. Didn't work for me. I don't know if it's like the British of it all. Just did not. Everyone else was popping on screen. I'm just like, don't, don't. Bo-. I I have this thing with, I, I don't think Idris Elba should play bad guys. Like, I never believe it. Or I don't find him very interesting as a bad guy. But when he was um, Stringer Bell, he was compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just would say this one definitely didn't work for me. And it's not that he was bad. He just wasn't really on the level Popping. of everyone else. Because I mean, yeah. Idris Elba is a very charming dude. But yeah. his and character in this film actor. is all menace, right? And I don't know if he does that as well. They, they Honestly, then I feel like they should have just made him menacing charming. Like, mm. like, let him because yeah, there, you're right. He didn't pop. Um, I, for him to play against Regina King and kind of just be like, I don't know what she sees in him. <laughs> that's what I was just like. Besides his looks, obviously, but I was just like, yeah, it's so weird. So I'm very glad you said that because it didn't register with me why I kept like not looking at his character. Like I kept looking at everybody else because they were all bringing it, doing something, um, and. Uh, Maybe it was also the writing, like you say. Like, maybe it wasn't even the right kind of menace. Like, his lines I didn't love. Um, no, no. So, I'm, okay, I was I did some Google research before this, and apparently, Wikipedia tells me that they had to recast some roles mm. because of they got because pandemic fucked up the scheduling, mm-hmm. so they lost some people. Um, actors who were supposed to be in this movie, but were they then recast? Include Cynthia Erivo. Uh huh. Wesley Snipes Ooh. and Sterling K. Brown. I think Wesley Snipes would have been a great Rufus Buck. Do we know what roles? <laughs> I do not know. I did not get deep. Wikipedia did not tell me that. I, I can try to find yeah. it. Yeah. But I mean, I, I do have to say, since everyone else worked for me, I am curious uh, if I, I could see Wesley Snipes or Sterling K. Mm-hmm. Brown and either either of them in as Rufus. As Rufus Buck. Right, right. Um, like, yeah, I I guess i could see that at the same time yeah. like it is weird because every now and then you just but is not always the best like there's the one where he's a, like a nanny and a dj and that like thing didn't work that well what? oh are you not aware <laughs> so uh no we i think that's a, this an amazon show i i think it, i thought it was netflix but it's basically if anyone's ever a dj in something i will tell you <laughs> like when it came to like richard madden i was like when oh, he was the Scottish okay DJ. <laughs> Okay, my Google research pulled up a Variety article from 2016 when they first announced Ooh. this project. 
Um, it was supposed to be Michael K. Williams oh. as, as the leader of a gang of black outlaws. So I think he would have been the Jonathan Majors Nate Love character, which is very interesting because he's much older. No, no, because I think they said like he had his eye on Jonathan Majors from the very beginning. So it would if I mean, if it were, they're both a leader of a group of outlaws. But oh, they're on a mission to kill uh, Snipes' character, who leads a mur- gang of murderous right. bandits. Huh? Maybe things change. So, which would be very different, yeah, right? Because yeah. it's not that generational difference. Right, anymore. right, right, right. It's more of a peer thing. Huh? Anyway, oh, that would have been amazing. so many things. Uh, uh, R.I.P. Michael K. Williams. I know Michael. R.I.P. Yeah. Michael K. Williams. Um, but yeah. So I guess the other things like kind of going along with what you say Marvin about wanting some sort of different sort of depth to the storytelling is I am kind of over revenge narratives like you got to give me something interesting for me to really care um and also just gang warfare like um because again I think it's it kind of gets to the point I'm like so is this movie really that just went so hard and was like offering so many cool things just gonna end in shootout again like I know that that's the genre trope and um, but I was just hoping for something different. I don't know. Uh, I think that's kind of an us issue, right? Like yeah. We kind of want more from our media these days. Yeah. But like if you're just in it for like a cool Western with pew pew guns. Yeah. Like, yeah. It has everything you need, really. And like a dope <laughs> soundtrack, pew, right? Pew guns. Yeah. Pew pew guns. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, you're I think you're right. I think, you know, people who are going to want an action shoot them up. Uh, Western will probably like very much enjoy this. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're looking for something more, I guess that's in conversation more deeply with, you know, the history of American imperialism. That's a very different movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I say do a sequel, um, <laughs> because like I, I like as as rough as I found some of the pacing and all the other choices that kind of had nitpicky with. Uh, I definitely liked so much of like the choices and just seeing something like I hadn't seen before. So I would definitely see like, like to see what happens next. If, uh, if there's a second chance to revisit this world. Yeah. All right. Before we go, we need to answer the question is the harder they fall. Good pop. Yes. All critiques aside, I think it is a really, you know, it's always great. I always like reframing traditional genres through underrepresented lenses we shall say uh, especially given that as we talked about before you know the american the re- actual history of this was just whitewashed for centuries um and like it's like the nerd in me like this movie made me like google and research every one yes. of these like real life characters and i learned a lot and you know i think that's kind of that like little trojan horse that we talk about education or edutainment and honestly, it's just really fun watching all these really attractive, talented people gallivant mm-hmm. around on horses in beautiful scenery. So, you know, not going to lie. I think the Netflix of it all helped because there were some times I just fast forwarded through those like <laughs> long ass establishing shots. I was like, I get it. We're 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 riding horses through a desert. OK, like, let's skip the next 15 <laughs> seconds. And that kind of helps. Uh, was that the way that got into or uh, James Samuel intended me to watch this? No, but you know what? It's on Netflix, so I'm gonna do it. Yeah, you do what <laughs> so, you want. Yes, I think he. Yes, I think he preferred that than watching at 1.5 speed. Is that what you did? No, no. <laughs> but that's an option on Netflix. I, I am not. That a is enough. Op- that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, I I would agree. Uh, for all the reasons you said, and also you know when you talk about some of the things that like you went down a research hole, rabbit hole. Um. I'm not giving anything away one way or another. Uh, it could be a prequel. It could be a sequel. But I would love to get more about Cuffy. So if you want to watch this and then also do your research, Cuffy is an interesting character in history, too. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I enjoyed the hell out of this film. You know, critiques aside, that's just, you know, personal grumbling of what I like that's just personal grumbling of like what I hope to see, but the film as it is, it's very entertaining. Um, it is a little long, but the action scenes are all real cool. The guns all have a real good, you know, um, the guns have a real good. Um, the gunfights have a real good feel to them. It's um, it's just and the soundtrack is just cool as hell. 
the, the whole package cool. is just it's it's vibes and it's cool stunts. When and, yeah, you know? yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, when we talk about the shortcomings of his direction, I do have to say other directors can learn from his uh, ability to work in the soundtrack in a very <laughs> uh, organic narrative way. And um, yeah, I think anyone who watches and is a director or aspiring director, like probably learn a lot there too. So yeah, good yeah, things. Yeah. And, you know, reclaiming historical narratives. I'm all about that shit. Give me more of that. Give me more of, you know, the merit, like the Western has been so white for so long. It's time to, you know, time to bring some color yeah. back into that genre. And I guess that'll do it for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, Han Jess, thanks for joining me once again to talk about The Harder They Fall. Um, if people want to find out more of your thoughts online, where can they go? My trash tweets are on Just You Tweets at Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that made no sense, but that's fine. Uh, you, can, you can see my trash takes on Twitter at Just You Tweets. There we go, words. I can form words. And I, Sentences. And I am at Anonymous. You can find me at Marvin Yuet. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts. You can check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, we'll be back next week to celebrate Thanksgiving with our hot takes on Netflix's new Cowboy Bebop adaptation. Uh, but until then, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. still here and we're going strong it's an exciting time in asian america there are more movies tv shows books and music reflecting us than ever but all of these represent just a small slice of asian american culture and experiences so what do we do tell more slices asian americana is a show that explores these slices of distinctly asian american culture and history We've talked about how Chinese Americans built California's Sacramento Delta, the art scene turns gallery institution giant robot, a play that explores the lost Cambodian pop music of the 60s and 70s, and, of course, Boba, just to name a few stories. You can find Asian Americana at asianamericana.com or on your podcast app.